My name, come on. My name is uh, Sean Curry, and I have the incredible honor of being the student pastor here. And let me tell you, like, just front row right now, I've got incredible middle and high school students that I get to work with. Like, I've been to other churches. I've gotten to speak at other things. And let me just tell you, like, they got nothing on our students, okay? Like, if, if, just be prepared, because I'm telling you, like, everything you know is about to change, because they're going to change it. They're amazing. They're built different, okay? And, I, and I've, got, I've got leaders that are alongside me that are helping me do this that are absolutely incredible. Next level leaders. Wake would not be what it is without these leaders. Leaders like Jordan and Jeff McCool who open up their house. Yeah, you can cheer for them. Come on. Who open up their house. Like, look at this. Every Sunday night for seniors to come over, get free food, and they help me to write curriculum for, for seniors specifically so they learn how to walk with Jesus in college. Like, next level student ministry here is something different. And if you need a place to serve, seamless plug, I'm up here. We're doing it. I need y'all to come serve at Wake, okay? Come join me on Wednesday nights. It is unreal what's going on on Wednesdays. And man, this is my first rep preaching on a Sunday morning, okay? Okay, and I am super excited to be up here and to be preaching and spending time with you guys. And I just want to say thank you, Stephen. Thanks for letting me be up here. Man, like, if you don't know, like, Stephen is an incredible, incredible leader to follow. Like, he is the same person on the platform as he is off of it. And he's an incredible man to follow, to learn from, and he makes me love Jesus more. So can we just give it up for Stephen one time? Come on. Stephen is awesome. Hey, we're in week two of this series called The Ways of Jesus. And today I'm going to be preaching a message called Back to the Basics. Back to the Basics. Like I said, it's my first time up here on a Sunday morning, right? So I thought about just having some flashy entrance and doing something crazy that you would never forget. That's kind of what you're expecting from a student guy, right? But, uh, so I thought about like having some flashy illustration like Joey might always have, right? Or I thought about um, coming up here and just starting to spit some rhymes and started with a spoken word like Ryan tried to do a couple weeks ago. And then I thought about like, thought about coming up here and just getting really choked up and emotional and crying like Stephen does every Sunday, right? I thought about doing that. Uh, then I thought, I thought about, or I thought about just coming up here flailing my arms and being really loud and moving a lot like Joe Baker always does, right? Like I thought about coming up here and making some flashy moment that you would remember for the next few days. Be like, man, that guy was cool, right? He's good at that. I thought, I thought about doing that, but then I remembered that, man, we're talking about following Jesus. Today we're talking specifically about what it means to follow Jesus. And I, I believe that too often we get caught up in the flashy and missed out on the practical. Too often we get caught up on these flashy things about what it could mean to follow Jesus, but we, we miss the basics of what it actually means to walk with Jesus, to follow Jesus. And we need basics, right? Like if, if there's any football fans in the house, like you watched some college football yesterday, NFL today, like football players, football coaches, they need basics. And the, the basic, one of the basics is to protect the ball, right? Because if you lose the ball, then the, the touchdown at the end of the drive is never going to happen, right? You're, you're just consi consistently losing the ball and it's a basic to hold on to it. And similarly with Jesus, then we have to get back to the basics and how we follow him. Uh, we've all followed somebody super closely at some point, haven't we? Like maybe for you, you're a bachelor or a bachelorette fan. Like any bachelor, bachelorette fans in the house? Wow, okay. So 
Not many people want to admit it. That's okay. That's okay. Like, we're still here for you. We know you love it. Like, Bachelor, Bachelorette, or maybe with the election that just happened, you followed Donald Trump super closely or Joe Biden super closely, or maybe you love that one news anchor on CNN or that one news anchor on Fox News, or maybe for you, you, you do follow, follow a college athlete really closely or a professional athlete really closely. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. You all follow people. Like, maybe for you students, like, you follow that one YouTuber, that, that dude on TikTok that nobody else knows, right? Like, or if you're a, a parent who just like is in with the times, you know about those TikTok people too. I don't know, right? Or we, love, we love singers too, right? Sometimes we follow people like on The Voice or that one weird singing show that has masks. I don't know what's going on there, but we follow different people. And we all, we all follow people. I don't know if there's any other baseball fans in the house, but I love baseball, okay? And um, I, I'm a massive Yankees fan, okay? So for some of you who are Braves fans and are constantly disappointed in life, you, you've liked people such as like in the past, like John Smoltz or Glavin, or maybe now like Freddie Freeman or Ronald Acuna Jr., I don't know. Um, but I'm a massive Yankees fan. My dad's from New York, so I've grown up my whole life watching Yankees baseball. And before I go any further, like, I'm just gonna be real with you for a second. If there's any other Yankees fans in the house, please come talk to me after. So I'm tired of watching games alone. <laughs> okay, please. Or if any of you are like on the fence and you're like, I'm tired of losing. We have 27 championships. Come be a part of it. Okay, like, oh, I need you. Oh, but man, I love the Yankees. And so growing up for me, someone that I followed very, very closely was Derek Jeter. Okay, I loved Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter was my hero. Like I watched every game. I followed his stats. I, I even, like, get this. I even wrote a paper on a, the biography of the life of Derek Jeter every year from fourth grade to high school. And my mom wondered why I got bad grades, okay? Like, I, I wrote this, this tiny little book, but I loved him. Like, I know he's from Kalamazoo, Michigan, and I know that he was born to a biracial family and that he went straight to the major leagues after high school because he batted 508 his senior year. Like, I know that he was the sixth round draft pick to the one, the only New York Yankees, right? I know that he now leads the Yankees in hits, that he has his number retired, and that he's about to be a Hall of Famer. Like, I have his jerseys. I have autographs. I've listened to every interview. I followed Derek Jeter so much to the point that I wanted to name my first kid Jeter. That's probably why I'm single, okay? Like, but I got a dog, I got a dog first, and so I named him Jeter, and this is Jeter, this is my dog. Oh yeah, look at him, this, just beautiful, right? And can we talk about how good my photography skills are? Because that's good, okay? But I, I, I love Derek Jeter, I followed Derek Jeter all the time, he was my hero, and my senior year of high school, my dad uh, gave me this awesome opportunity, dream come true, and I got to meet Derek Jeter, okay? So I got to go up to New York, got to go to Yankee Stadium, got to shake his hand, got to get autographs, I got to take a picture with him, and this is, this is the picture. If you can see, there's shock on my face, and I, I couldn't, I had no words. I was speechless, okay? And I got to meet Derek Jeter, and it was an awesome moment, a moment I'll never forget, and those 45 seconds of my life just marked this moment in my life, but as I thought, think back to it now, it's, it's pretty obvious that five minutes later, Derek Jeter forgot about that moment, Right? Like I followed him, I loved him, I, I went and I got to experience this moment with him, but he forgot pretty instantly. Like if you went up to him and said, hey, do you know Sean Curry? No, he doesn't, right? Like I wish he did, but he doesn't. And he doesn't know me. He doesn't follow me. And I think that this is the tension that many of us are living in this morning. See, I think that there are things, there are people that we are trying to follow, 
that we're giving so much of our time to, so much of our resources to, so much of our lives to, and we just in hopes that they might follow us back, but they have no idea who we are. They don't follow us. They don't know us. Yet we still try to give so much of our lives to these things over and over and over again with no return. But do you know that there is a king and his name is Jesus? And not only does he follow you, he loves you. He died for you. He comes after you. He's there for you. He followed you before you ever even knew what following him meant, right? He knit you together in your mother's womb. He created all things in him. All things were created in him. All things hold together and he chooses to follow you. He loves you. He's there for you and he knows you. But so many of us, we try to keep Jesus at a distance, just like Derek Jeter does with me, right? We try to keep him at a distance. And because of that, following Jesus has turned into this thing that isn't what it's supposed to be. Because of that, many of us are missing out on what the life-changing, the life change can be when you actually follow Jesus. See, at Stone Creek, we're a discipleship-driven church. Like, we believe that we, as followers of Jesus, should be disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And we believe that, the, uh, that following Jesus isn't a game that's meant to be played on the sidelines, right? We believe that as followers of Jesus, we need to be in the game, bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. Like, we believe that we need to be disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And I want to ask you a question before we go any further. Are you a disciple? Are you a disciple of Jesus? And what I mean by that is, if you're, is your life most shaped, most influenced, and looks the most like Jesus? If you don't know what that means, then the answer is no. If you need more clarity on that, the answer is probably no. And I understand there might be some of you in person or, or online who, who have just understanding, just experiencing what following Jesus looks like. And I, and I get that, but there's some of us in the room who have been following Jesus for a very long time, but we, we're not actually disciples. We're not actually following him. See, I, I forget that many of us, I, I think that many of us have forgotten what it means to follow Jesus. And we always pray for new vision, don't we? Like we pray that God would reveal our paths and uncover our steps and would speak to us and show us where he is. Like we, we pray for him to give us vision. But the problem is, is in our waiting for new vision, we miss out on the instruction that we already know. And what that is, it's like, see, it's when, we, when we miss out on this instruction back to baseball, it's like hitting an inside the park home run, but forgetting to step on first base. <laughs> right? We miss out on the things that he's already told us to do. Everyone wants to know God's mystical will for their lives. Everyone wants to know like where, he, where we're gonna go and what he wants us to do and how to hear his voice. But if we would just increase our proximity to him, I promise you the will for your life would become a lot more clear. What we have to do is what God has already to told us to do. What we have to do is walk in the footsteps that he's already walked in. See, many of us, it's, it's, for many of us, it's not doing new things, but it's doing the right things. See, like, like for me, like when I was in high school, I don't know about y'all, maybe I was just the only terrible high school student in the room. I don't know. But I was in high school and I would always get to the day of a test and I would forget that there was a test. And I would sit down and the test would come out and I would be like, 
oh shoot, okay, time to pray. Okay, so I'd start praying and I'd be like, God, you are sovereign, you are faithful, you are good to deliver and I know you are going to give me answers supernaturally on this thing, I have no idea what it is and I'm gonna get an A and I would fill out the test and guess what, I'd come back, I'd pray away the F, pray for the A, still got an F, right, every single time. And it's, and it's because like I, I was trying new things but neglecting the right things. And the right thing would have just been for me to study like everybody else and get an A on the test. But I, I was doing these new things instead of the right things. And I think a lot of us as followers of Jesus are trying to do new things, but neglecting the right things. See, many of us want to hear from Jesus. We want to experience Jesus. We want him to speak to us. But what we really need to do is we just need to start to follow him. We just need to learn what it means to walk in his steps. And today, today we're going to bring it back to the basics. Today, we're going to reintroduce ourselves on what it means to follow Jesus. Last week, Stephen um, unpacked this story from the book of Mark. And he told this story from Mark's account of, of Jesus calling his first disciples. And today, we're going to be reading the same story, but from a different account in the book of Matthew. And Matthew is just another disciple, another person, another writer of the gospel who, who lived with life with Jesus, who walked with Jesus, who was there with Jesus and followed him. And this is what he says, Matthew 4, 18 through 22. Jesus calling his first disciples. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, he saw two brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee, it's a fun name, repairing their nets. And he called them to come too. They immediately followed him and leaving the boat and their father behind. So Jesus is walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and he sees these two men in a boat, and they're fishing. And this isn't, this isn't like the Cherokee County kind of fishing where you break into your neighbor's backyard and fish, right? Like, that's not, that's not what's going on here. This is, this is like, they do this for a living. They do this for a trade. They do this all day, every day. They are fishermen. It is their identity. It's who they are. And Jesus comes up to them and says, hey, leave that and follow me. Leave what you know and follow me. But leaving the known means they have to get uncomfortable. And we love comfort, don't we? And we love comfort. We love comfortable things. And whenever there's something that causes us to get uncomfortable or step out of our comfort zone, we instantly are like, oh, nope, going to stay distant from that. I want to stay comfortable. This is why like, we love routine. This is why COVID has been so impactful on our lives and devastating for so many of us, right? Because it's wrecked your routine. It's destroyed your comfort. It has made it hard to understand how to find your comfort zone once again to walk in. It feels like every day is changing, but we love comfort. This is why we stay in our cars for drive throughs instead of walking into the restaurant. Right? This, this is why we stay at home and watch Netflix instead of going out with friends or going to a movie. We stay at home because it's comfortable. This, this is why we stay at that job we hate. Because it'd be really scary and unknown and uncomfortable to actually leave it. This is why we stay in that relationship. It's just super toxic. Because we don't know what the other side would look like. And it's scary. Why? Because it's unknown. And so we stay in the known, we stay in the comfort, and we stay where, uh, where it's comfortable. But could it be, I just want to pose a question, that if you're comfortable in your walk with Jesus right now, you should probably start to get uncomfortable. 
Because it could be that you're following the wrong things. See, Jesus doesn't call us to a life of comfort. Actually, the opposite. He's consistently doing things like calling people out their boats, out the life they know, and into the unknown of following him. And so if you're comfortable and in your relationship with Jesus, all you're experiencing is comfort after comfort after comfort after comfort. Could it be that you're following the wrong thing and you need to reintroduce yourself to what it means to get back to the basics and follow Jesus? See, the disciples could have stayed in the boat. They could have remained comfortable, but instead they left their nets. They left the life they knew. They left the known and they dove into the waters, into the unknown, got close to Jesus and started following him. But many of us are, we're still trying to follow Jesus from a distance. A lot of us are still in the boat. We got our feet up and we're like, oh no, I see him. Like I see him, he's over there. Like I'm following him. Like I, I come to church, like I see him, but like I have no idea what it means to get close to him. It's like, it's like the way I know Derek Jeter, right? Like I, I see him on TV. I watch him play games. I see even his family in the stands. Like I, I know what his parents might look like. I, I know who he is, but I don't know him. In the same way, many of us think we know Jesus, think we follow Jesus, but we're just staying in the boat. We know a lot about him, but we might not know him. And so how do we get to know him? How, how do we do that? We got to get close. See, many, many of us uh, just treat Jesus, like if we follow Jesus, it should be like this intimate, this incredible, this amazing marriage that you dive into, right? But a lot of us just treat Jesus like we're going on a blind date. You know what I mean? Like we, we look at him and we're like, I know a lot about you. Like I've heard a lot about you. Might have even stalked you on Instagram, but I have no idea who you are. I've never sat down and had this conversation with what it would mean for me to follow you and what does my life look like now and how, how can I follow in your steps? Like we've never had this intimate moment with him. We hear about Jesus, but we don't know a lot about him. So we stay at a distance. But what would it look like for you today? In your everyday pursuit of Jesus, Jesus said, okay, today I'm going to figure out how I can get closer to Jesus than the last. Like, what would it look like for you to just try to get close to Jesus and not to look good, not to try hard, but to learn how to follow him, to eliminate distance, to increase proximity, and to get close enough to hear him? We have to get back to the basics. We have to learn how to follow. And how do we do that? I think there's three ways, three things that we need to accomplish in order to follow Jesus in the right way. First is intimacy, next is imitation, and the last is influence. Intimacy, imitation, and influence. See, I believe that following starts with intimacy. Following starts with intimacy. And when we think about the action of following, we usually think about ending up at a destination, right? Like maybe you're following somebody in your car and they're running red lights and you're running red lights and you're just trying to get to where you're supposed to be going. And we think about that because uh, a lot of the places in our lives, that, that's what it is. Following means getting to a destination. So a lot of the times, what do we do? We treat Jesus like ways, okay? Like Jesus is trying to navigate us to this destination of heaven. And so we just follow him to avoid the traffic and the police on the way, right? Like that we treat Jesus like we treat ways, but following Jesus is different than that. See, following Jesus isn't about where we are going. It's about who you are with. It's not about where you're going. It's about who you're with. It isn't about the destination. It's about the journey. 
It, it's, it's about intimacy in the middle of experiencing life with Jesus. And if it's about who we're with, then we gotta know who we're walking with, right? We gotta start understanding who am I walking with? Who am I doing life with? We gotta know the person that we're following. We need to get intimate. And I know that when I say this word intimacy for, for some people in the room, probably guys, there's some, intim- there's, uh, some tension building up inside of you. Cause you're like, oh, intimacy. I don't like that. Don't talk to me about that. Let's not, let's not do that. I'm gonna be honest with you. If you have this thing and this tension and this walls up about intimacy, it could be a pride problem in your heart. And you gotta address that before you can ever even think about following Jesus because following Jesus requires intimacy. And intimacy is defined as this, a close and familiar affection with another person. A close and a familiar affection with another person. We gotta get close to Jesus. We have to get familiar with Jesus. And we got to learn how to follow him. And Jesus was an expert at intimacy with his father. He constantly got away with him and he got on mountaintops with him and he, he got in boats with him and he got on his knees and prayed to him and he worshiped him and he talked about him. Like he, he knew that this, this relationship with God was about the connectedness of that relationship, not just about an action. We got to be connected to him. See, Jesus exemplified that intimacy is greater than an action. It's a, it's a presence and accumulation of obedience to God because when we're intimate with him, we can get close in proximity. We can eliminate the distance. We can understand how to follow him. We got to cling to Jesus. Maybe, you, maybe like, I want you to think about it this way. Like if there was a tree, right? Think about a tree and think about the way that a branch clings to that tree, Okay. That's the way we got to cling to Jesus. Because in that branch clinging to that tree, the tree is able to produce life and fruit through it. Why? Because it's so close that it can't help but have life produced through it. Or think about it this way. Maybe some of you have kids, little kids, or you've had little kids, you have grandkids or a neighbor or a niece and nephew. I don't know. Like if you've ever been around a little kid, they probably have run up to you. And what have they done? They've clung to your leg. Okay, full straddle on the leg. And what do they say? Walk. So you start to walk and just drag them. Right, just drag them and you'd go wherever you go. And guess what? Wherever you go, they follow. If you change direction, they're changing direction. Why? Because they are clung to you. They're clinging to you. And this is what we have to do with Jesus. We have to cling to him so tight that if wherever he walks, man, we can't help but follow. If he changes direction, we can't help but go with him. We got to cling to Jesus. So you know what's crazy? is that Jesus doesn't just call us to cling to him, but he says that he's going to cling to us. So if there's a season, maybe you're in it right now, where you, got, you feel like you're falling away from the Lord. You feel like you're falling away from Jesus. Guess what? He's not falling away from you. He's clung on to you. He's holding on to you. He's there with you. He's walking with you. He wants you. And all you have to do is put your arms back out and grab back on. He's here with you. He clings to you. And this is wild because in no other relationship, when you lose intimacy, does it last? Right? Like in your marriage, if you lose intimacy, that marriage is on the rocks. It, with your, the relationship with your kids, if you lose the intimacy of a father, son, or daughter, uh, mother, or daughter, father, all the combination relationships, then what do they do? They, they, they walk out. They're not interested in, in life with you. If you lose intimacy in your friendships, I mean, those friendships are broken. You burn your friends. But with Jesus, it's different. 
with, in intimacy with him, when we look to him, when we cling to him, he's still holding on to us. When we fall away, he's there to catch us. So if that's you, it's not over. You just got to re-cling on to him today. See, when we follow Jesus and we cling to him, it leads to life change, just like the branch does from the tree. Jesus is able to produce fruit and life through us. But, but for many of us, instead of life change, what following Jesus has looked like recently is white noise. I mean, he's probably like that dude you went to high school with, right? <laughs> or that girl you went to high school with that you followed on Instagram or friended on Facebook, and, and you feel kind of obligated to keep following them after high school. Right? You're like, oh, I haven't talked to you in five years, but glad you have three kids now, you know, and you're scrolling on your Instagram or on your Facebook, and you might like the picture, definitely not commenting, but you might like it, and you start to see like kind of what's going on in their lives, but the more and the more people you follow, the more and more this person's feed gets drowned and drowned out and drowned out and drowned out and drowned out, and isn't this what we do with Jesus? Like maybe five, ten, just like that friend in high school, five, ten years ago, you started following Jesus, but the more and more things that you've started to follow since, the more and more that Jesus has gotten drowned out, and the, more, the less and less you understand what life with him looks like, and the less and less you understand how he walks, and the less and less you understand where he's going because you've allowed the noise of other people that you're following to crowd the space of your intimacy with Jesus. Like, the, the, the culture is really loud, can we agree? The media is really loud. And so if we just listen to culture, it's all of these distracting noises. But the Bible says that the voice of God is like a whisper. And if we would just get close enough to hear his whisper, and our, our intimacy would change. Our relationships would change. And we would understand the life change that comes in following him. We've got to get on our knees and get alone with Jesus. We've got to pray. We've got to worship him in our rooms. I mean, we've got to read the word of God, and we've got to spend time with him. We've got to get intimate with Jesus. Second thing that we need to know about following Jesus is that intimacy leads to imitation. Intimacy leads to imitation. So when we get close to Jesus and familiar with Jesus, all of a sudden we learn how to imitate him. And if we can be honest, like we, we know this, that we spend, what we spend the most time with, who we spend the most time with is who we start to look like, right? Like if you spend the most time with Fox News, you're going to start looking like Fox News, not like Jesus, because they're not the same thing. If you spend the most time on Instagram or social media, like you're going to start looking like that Instagram feed or that Facebook feed or that TikTok feed and not like Jesus. And if, if you spend the most time with your friends, you're going to start looking like your friends, not like Jesus. If you spend the most time watching Netflix, you're going to start looking lazy and like Netflix and not like Jesus. If you spend the most time in your job, even as a pastor, if I spend the most time in my job, I'm not looking like Jesus. I'm looking like my job. If you spend the most time with your spouse or your kids, you look like them, not like Jesus. Side note, there was this, I found this kind of funny. There was this scientist who did this study about if spouses spend the most time with each other, they will literally start to look like each other. And nobody wants that, okay? And so we got to spend the most time with Jesus. We got to imitate Jesus by spending time with him. And this isn't revolutionary stuff. 
But I think a lot of us are missing out on the basics of what it means to follow Jesus. We need to be disciples of Jesus. And last week, Stephen said that a disciple is who Jesus would be if Jesus were you. Okay? So in every situation, in every circumstance, we need to be asking ourselves, who would Jesus be if Jesus were me in this moment? Like if I was walking my dog in the neighborhood, who would Jesus be as me walking my dog? Who would Jesus be if he were you as a mom dropping your kids off at practice? Who would Jesus be if he were you as a salesman leading a meeting in corporate America? Like how would it change things? How would it change your generosity? How would it change the way you lived? How would it change your relationships? How would it change your approach? How would it change your calling? How would it change things? And some of you in the room are like, Sean, you're, you work at a church. You're a pastor. It's easily, easy to bring Jesus into things. Like, yeah, if I don't lead meetings with Jesus, I'm probably getting fired, right? Like if, for if corporate America, like it might be different. But did you know that Jesus was a carpenter way before he was a pastor? I have to imagine but in Jesus, when he was going out and doing carpentry and his circle of carpenter friends, like he approached it different. I gotta imagine if he had meetings that he led with other carpenters in the room, he led that meeting a little bit different than those who didn't know his father. And we gotta do the same thing. We can't use that as an excuse. We gotta imitate him. See, the disciples had it good, right? They got, to, they got to physically walk with Jesus and follow Jesus. And we don't get to do that. Like Jesus isn't here. And so how do we learn to follow him? By reading the Bible. Like, can I just be honest? You cannot be a follower of Jesus if you don't read the Bible. Like, reading the Bible is so important. Why? Because how do you imitate something that you don't know? You gotta read the Bible and learn how Jesus walked. Why? So you can imitate walking like him. You gotta read the Bible to watch how Jesus talked. Why? So you can imitate how you talk like him. You gotta read the Bible to see how Jesus interacted with other people. Why? So you can learn how to interact with other people and learn how Jesus would be if Jesus were you in that moment. We gotta, lead, we gotta follow an intimacy. We gotta follow an imitation. And the last thing is this. We gotta, that imitation leads to influence. Imitation leads to influence. So when we spend time with Jesus and we get intimate with him, it leads us to being able to, to, to imitate him. And, and when we start to imitate him, all of a sudden, like our influence can't help but be changed. On social media, there are these people called influencers. Okay, maybe you've heard of them, maybe you haven't. But on social media, there's people called influencers, people like the Bucket List family, if you've heard of them, or Casper Lee, or Emma Chamberlain, or the most famous of them all, Stephen Gibbs, right? Like, we have influencers on social media. If you don't follow Stephen, do it. It's, it's a great time. But they, these influencers, they advertise clothes, they advertise makeup, they, they DIY videos for your house, like funny things, and millions of people follow them. And, and but they, and then they follow and they follow and they follow and like, there's a reason they follow them. Why? Because they're passionate about what they're selling. They're passionate about what they're doing and they can't help, but it's almost second nature to talk about the things that they do and the people that they are that everybody else can't help but wanna be on board with those things because they're so passionate and they live a life and an influence for Jesus. What I think Jesus is doing today is he's calling each of us to be influencers. Influencers for him. Like for some of you, he's calling you to be an influencer on your social media by what you post and how you respond and what you say and what you don't say. And it's for some of you, he's, he's calling you to be an in, influencer in the way that you love your family, the way that you extend grace to people who have hurt you. 
For some of you, he's calling you to be an influencer to the broken people, to the lost people that you're working with. For some of you, he's calling you to be an influencer at that Starbucks you go to every morning by just asking, hey, how can I pray for you to each of the baristas and then following up? For some of you, he's asking you to be an influencer by inviting that family that lives in your neighborhood or your apartment complex over for dinner who doesn't know Jesus, maybe practices another religion, maybe is burnt by church, and invite them over just to have talk with, talks with them and tell them about the life change that Jesus has done in your life. When we get intimate with Jesus, when we imitate Jesus, Jesus cannot help but direct our influence. And we all want influence, right? Like I want influence, you want influence, and that's not a bad thing, but when we approach influence away from Jesus, it becomes bad, right? We're quick to allow other things to be our influence. We're quick to allow money to be our influence or success to be our influence or smarts to be our influence. Like we, we want to build platforms that can be our influence. We want to leave a legacy that can be our influence. But if it's away from Jesus, if it's distant from Jesus, all it's leading to is temporary success, temporary influence. With Jesus, it's different. When you approach Jesus, and the influence of his life, and you allow him to direct your influence every time, it's going to lead to the life change that comes in the cross. So if you go back to the story of Jesus, the life of Jesus, and you follow his footsteps, his footsteps end at the cross. So naturally, if we're following him, we should lead, we should be leading to the cross and having our footsteps end at the cross. But this is the one moment where Jesus says, hey, I got you. Stay right here. I'm going to take this cross for you. I'm going to die a brutal death so that you don't have to. Just stay right here. And then I'm going to, don't worry, I'm going to be dragged. My feet are going to be dragged to that grave over there. And I'm going to be dead for three days. But you just stay right here. Because in three days, I'm going to raise to do life. And guess what? Then you can start to follow me again. Let me take it so that you can walk in life. Do you know that in Jesus, he's never going to lead us to death? In Jesus, he's never going to lead us to hurt and to pain. But in Jesus, he leads us to walking in the resurrection with him. We get to walk towards eternity in heaven and follow in his footsteps to the most fulfilling life we could ever have. And how do we experience that life? But just getting back to the basics by reintroducing ourselves on what it means to follow Jesus, by jumping out of your boat, by swimming to the shore, by getting close to Jesus, getting intimate with Jesus, by imitating what he does, and allowing him to direct your influence. So church, can we get back to the basics today? We gotta leave your boats, jump in the water, come and get personal and let the adventure begin. Let's pray. Jesus, I'm so grateful for you, Lord, I love you. Lord, I'm grateful that you direct my influence. Lord, I'm grateful that you create space for us to be intimate with you that you're not some far off deity, but you're a close and personal God who wants to spend time with us. Lord, I'm grateful that you allow us and teach us to imitate you. Lord, would you help each of us follow in your footsteps a little bit better this week? 
Lord, thank you for taking the cross. Thank you for taking the grave so that I don't have to, so that we don't have to, but we just get to walk in freedom and life with you. Lord, for the person in the room who's maybe let go of you, would you show them today that you're still clinging on tight? All they have to do is cling back on. But for the person in the room who has no idea what it means to follow you, has never experienced what it's like to jump out of the boat, and they've only seen you from a distance, or would you show them how worth it it is to leave that life behind and get close and personal with you? And maybe for you today, that's you. Maybe you need to experience Jesus and give your life to Jesus for the first time. So I'm going to give you a chance to do that, to be bold, to jump out of the boat, to get in the water, and to respond to his call. So if that's you, if you want to say yes to a life in Jesus for the first time today in person or online, I just want you to be bold and raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. It's amazing. Praise Jesus. Yeah, Lord, I'm so grateful for you. I love you. Thank you for taking it for me. Thank you for letting us follow you. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen.